Okay, Shalom Aleichem, everybody. Uh, today we'll be starting the second shear in our series of Kilchot Shemitah. And our shear today will be focusing on a more practical level in terms of how one man maintains one's garden uh, in Eretz Israel during the Shemitah year. So I just want to briefly summarize what we saw uh, last week because that is really the basis for uh, everything that we're going to do today. Uh, firstly, we, we asked the question, is uh, Shemitah the Oraita or the Rabbanan in today's time? And we saw that according to the Rambam and basically everyone else, Shemitah is not dependent on whether we have a Beit HaMikdash or not. As soon as you come to the land, the Shemitah cycle would kick in, perhaps not the 14 years uh, when Yeshua Ben-Nun was conquering the land, but after that, everyone agrees that pretty much Shemitah is Doraita, and therefore it seems to be that it's a, a, a the, the question doesn't start. However, we saw that there are two more conditions. First of all, it has to be A in Eretz Yisrael, and it, uh, it, we found that it has to be, um, according to the Rambam, that it has to be where, when, uh, or late Babel, Right, that the Kedusha of Eretz Israel from the times of Yeshua was nullified uh, when we left, and then it was reinstituted in the times of the Olei Babel. Right? In the times of the Olei Babel, the people that came back with Ezra, those borders now designate what is considered Eretz Israel on a Doraita level regarding Shemitah. So we said, okay, so if, barring the southern part of, of, of Israel, Going down to Elat, it would still be, according to the Rambam, Doraita. However, then the Rambam, uh, at least according to some opinions, wanted to bring in a third uh, condition. And that basic condition was that it has to be dependent on all of Am Israel being in the land. And uh, that condition obviously hasn't been, or the majority of Am Israel being in the land, and that condition hasn't been uh, fulfilled. And therefore, according to the Rambam, who is the more Mahmir opinion over here, even in the places where it is definitely Eretz Israel, meaning the people of Ezra's time settled that part of the land, nevertheless, in today's time, since the majority of Am Israel are not in Eretz Israel, it is only Midrabanan. There's another whole slew of uh, uh, Rishonim that say it's the Rabbanan for a different reason. And that is we found that the Gemara, Rebbe's opinion, arguing with the Chachamim, Rebbe connects the laws of Shemitah to the laws of Yovel. And the laws of Yovel do not apply today. And the reason why they don't apply today is we need not only the majority of Am Yisrael in Israel, but we also need all the tribes in their correct places. And since we, that is obviously, even if we get to Ezrat Hashem in a few years time, we'll have the majority of Am Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael, we still um, might not have all the tribes until Eliyahu Anabi comes and tells us who, who we all belong to and uh, the Mashiach comes, etc. We're going to be, it's all a, mis, uh, a mishmash. So that we won't have Yovel. And Rebbe, Rabbi Yudhan Nasi, the author of the Mishnah, says the laws of Shemitah are connected to the laws of Yovel. And since the laws of Yovel are not Doraita, 
so to the laws of Shmita on Torah. That is the general understanding of the Shita of Rebbe. I've simplified it because there could be that Rebbe only said that regarding Shmitat Ksafim. Bezrat Hashem before Rosh Hashanah will have a shear on Shmitat Ksafim. But most Rishonim tie the two together. The laws, the general laws of Shmitah and the laws of Shmitah Ksafim. And he connected both of them to the laws of Yovel. Hence, if there's no Yovel on a Doraita level, there's also no Shmitah. Okay? So that was basically the majority of Rishonim that we saw from last week's shear hold that Shmitah today is only Dravanan. Um, we saw a shit of the Raivet that said it might even be just the Midat Chasidut. The next thing that we discussed, and this is our uh, introduction to today's shir, is that assuming that Shemitah is Doraita, assuming that it is Doraita, what is prohibited? And the Rambam listed four specific actions or malachot that are prohibited. The first is Zorea, right? Sowing, meaning sowing seeds. The second is Zomer, Zmira which is trimming or pruning. And the Torah describes pruning as referring to don't prune your grapevine, right? But we're going to say any pruning of a fruit tree, lichora, is an isur doraita. That we'll see later in the share. It's actually a big, it's a big discussion. Is it specifically a grapevine or does it apply to all, um, to all fruit trees? The third melacha is katsira, is harvesting. Harvesting is uh, generally referred for grain, and batsira is referring for picking, picking fruit. Um, and these are the four melachot. They're really divided into two. One is something that enhances the growth, i.e. either sowing or pruning. Both of them really enhance the growth. And the other are um, removing the fruit from the place of its growth, either by harvesting, which is katsira, or picking a fruit, which is batsira. So those are the two, the four description, descriptive actions that are really, if you want, if you want to summarize them, they connected to two principles: either enhancing the growth or uh, or kind of bringing the food, uh, enabling one to eat the food. There is a, a, a big discussion regarding a fifth malacha, and that is harisha, plowing. Uh, we saw that we, we, we got into it uh, last week, so I'm, I'm just going to say it outside. The, uh, the, regarding plowing, it's a machloket in the, in the Gemara. What exactly do you get lashes? Do you not get lashes? The Rambam seems to contradict himself. In one place, he implies that, uh, that harisha, that plowing is a Torah violation. In another place, he implies that it's a rabbinic uh, violation. And there are numerous uh, resolutions to how to understand this. According to Mincha Pchinuch, we saw that according to the Rambam, you don't get lashes because it's not part of the negative commandment. It's part of, it's, it's nullifying the positive commandment of making the land rest, right? When the Torah describes making the land rest, it mentions the prohibition of, of plowing. So it's not what we call an Isur Lota assay, it's an Isur assay, right? And therefore, but it's still a Doraita, but the, the, the ramifications is going to be the punishment that a person would get in the times of uh, Beit HaMikdash and the Sanhedrin, etc. Uh, Rashi, on the other hand, 
understands that harisha, that plowing, is an isodoraita. And uh, that also is the opinion of Tosvot uh, and others. Okay, that is uh, everything that we've seen up until uh, up until last. Uh, that's just a summary of last week's share. And now we are going to uh, start this week's share. So, I just want to clarify one thing before we start this week's share. And we're going to learn a bit of Hilchot Shabbos. In Hilchot Shabbat, we know that there are 39 Av Melachot, right? Or, or, or um, the, the designated Melachot that the Torah prohibited that we find in the Mishkan. Then there are derivatives of those Av Melachot called Toladot, derivatives. And the Torah, in point for Hilchot Shabbos, a derivative is also a Torah violation. So I'll give you an example. If we say that sowing on Shabbat is a Torah violation, and let's assume that watering the garden is a derivative of sowing, meaning it also enhances the growth of uh, product of, of, of the fruits, that is a Tolada, right? A derivative. It's a machlokin in the Gemara, which derivative it is. But let's assume that it's a derivative of sowing. That would be a Torah violation for Yilchot Shabbat. However, when it comes to Yilchot Shemitah, we say like this. There are four Av Melachot that are an Isodoraita. And any derivative of them is an Isodorabanan. As opposed to Yechot Shabbos, where you can have an Av and a Tolda that are both Midoraita, that are both Torah violations. In Yechot Shemitah, the Av Malachot, specifically four of them, are Nisodoraita, and all derivatives are only rabbinical. Now that we've clarified that, let's read the Gemara in Masechet Moed Katan. The Gemara in Masechet Moed Katan is discussing um, what is prohibited regarding Shemitah, what I'm not allowed to do, and also what is prohibited regarding Cholamoy. Says the Gemara, we, we, we pick up in the middle of a sugya, it's taught in a brighter, Sadcha lo tizra lo that your field, you're not allowed to sow, and your your vineyard, you're not allowed to prune. So it sounds like only sowing and pruning is a Torah violation. So at this part of the, at this stage in the Gemara, the Gemara wants to try and think that other, other derivatives are also a Torah violation. So this is, as we say in the Gemara, a Havamina. This is, at this stage, the Gemara is thinking that these derivatives are also a Torah violation. The Gemara is going to uh, reject this line of thought. But let's, let's continue at this stage of the Gemara. You might think, Minayin, from where I know that these other things of hoeing and weeding, meaning removing the weeds, right, and cutting the weeds, all of these things are also prohibited. So the Gemara sends that, Talmud Lomar, Sadcha, Lo, Karmacha, Lo, meaning the word Lo is an overarching prohibition not to do any of the Malachot connected to uh, enhancing the land. So, um, now, but I, I just want to, I want to uh, go to the end of this Gemara, 
The Gemara at the end says, you're wrong. The Gemara says, all of these actions are only Asur Midra Bonem. They are rabbinic prohibitions. And all the derivations that we learned from the Psukim, Asmachta Ba'alma, meaning they are not true derivations. And they, the rabbis just prohibited it. And they lent it on these, um, on these uh, Psukim, but they are not real Torah violations. Okay, so now that we've clarified that watering and weeding and uh, removing stones, all of these actions are rabbinically prohibited, but they do not fall into the four melachot that are prohibited doraita. Now the Rambam also uh, defines that there are two stages in all of these derivatives. There are stages before you actually do the sowing, right? And those are all derivatives of actually plowing, right? Anything to removing the stones, uh, de-weeding, all of these things are actually plowing. And then there's derivatives of sowing and pruning, which basically enhance the growth. For example, watering flowers. Watering flowers is a derivative of sowing. Why is it a derivative? Because at in when you sow a seed, obviously you're enhancing the growth. When you water the seed, you enhance the growth. So it's a derivative of enhancing the growth, but it's only a prohibition. Now, oh, now that I know that there's a distinction between an Isodoraita and an Isodorabanan, how does that help me? It's still only an Isodorabanan, it's still an Isodorabanan, and it's not going to help me. But let's see where we find the distinction. And here we go back to Agmarai Moed Katan, Gimel Amudalef. Asa Gemara, the Kishkush Beshvid, Mishari, and hoeing. Hoeing is a very like, light type of uh, raking that sometimes makes uh, uh, sometimes makes like a light furrow. So it's not plowing, which usually you do uh, uh, for the sake of, of placing seeds afterwards, but it's more just to get rid of the stones or the pebbles around. That's why you, so says the Gemara, the Kishkush B'Shvit Mishari, how can you hoe during Shemitah? The Torah says, the seventh year, you got to leave it the land in rest and lie, lie fallow. Says the Gemara, Tishmetena Mila Kashkesh. And this is even prohi prohibiting any type of hoeing. Untashta, Mila Sakel, removing the pebbles. So Amara Vuka Barhama, no, no, no. Trey Kishkushe Habe, Chad Ivruye Ilana, the Chad Situme Pile. Now the Gemara over here gives, by the way, that, that uh, pasuk over here is only in a smachta, according to, to uh, so, but, but nevertheless, the Torah, the Gemara at this stage seems to imply that it's still prohibited, even though it's rabbinical. So says Mar Ukva, there are two types of how I uh, do these actions, or there are two reasons. One purpose for doing these actions of removing pebbles and, and hoeing, etc., is Ivruye Ilane. Ivruye Ilana, Ilane, is basically to strengthen and enhance the growth of the tree. The Situme Pile. The other is to fill up the cracks. And what is that? 
that is permitted. We'll have a difference. We'll summarize it like this. The Gemara, as we'll see in another place, uses this term called ukme versus ivruye. Ivruye is when I'm trying to enhance the growth of the plant. That is prohibited. Whereas where I'm just maintaining the plant that it doesn't die or be damaged, that what the Gemara over here is calling stitume pile shari. I'm just fixing up the, the cracks. I'm just giving it medicine that it doesn't die. That would be permitted. Again, the Gemara in Masechad Abarazora says this more clearly in Dafnuna Mudbet. So Rabbi Bar Yirmiya came to their certain town. And he brought a certain brighter with him. The brighters were less commonly known by everybody. Uh, the Mishnayot were pretty much uh, known by all, all different locales, but, but uh, the brighters were, were less known. And he quotes the following brighter. That we can, uh, we are allowed to basically get rid of the worms uh, and also mazahamin, right? Uh, we you're allowed to place a certain manure on the the trees, etc., during shemitah, but not during cholamoid. And kan v'kan ein megazmin, but both on Cholamoid and for Shemitah, you're not allowed to prune the trees. So says the Gemara, uh, in, but uh, the question is, the late Nagar, sorry, and Rabbi Bar Yirmiya says, listen, that's the brighter. The late Nagar, but not Bar Nagar, the Yafkarena. And there's no carpenter or son of a carpenter who can basically piece this thing together or resolve this or break it apart. I'm not a carpenter, I'm not the son of a carpenter. I'll still be able to resolve the difficulty. While some actions prohibited and one, while some actions submitted, explains Ravina. You've got a contradict, you've got a problem between basically putting manure over the tree versus pruning it. And you're saying, what's the difference? I'll explain it. When it comes to putting the manure over parts of the tree, which is permitted, or when it comes to pruning, it's going to be a problem. Me, Dami, explains Ravina. How can you compare the two? The putting the manure was basically to preserve. and maintain the status of the tree that it nourishes, the asur, and that's called ivruye, strengthening, enhancing it, that is asur. So we have learned our first most important rule in maintaining our gardens, and that is, are we preserving the status quo that it doesn't get injured or die? Or are we enhancing the growth of the plants, in which case it would be prohibited? Okay, so far, so good. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, when the Gemara allowed for maintaining certain malachot that we're allowed to do in order to maintain the garden, 
what Malachot was it referring to? Was it only referring to Malachot Midr Rabbanan, rabbinic prohibitions? But if it's a Doraita prohibition, it's not going to help me. Even if I'm doing it only for the sake of preserving and maintaining the garden that it doesn't die, that will be still prohibited. So that's a question. I'm just going to throw it out there as we go through the share today. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try and answer that question, okay? But that's just a, a something to, to, to think about. The second question that we have to ask is, what do you mean by defining, maintaining, or preserving the, uh, the garden? And Rashi has a very interesting definition. Rashi says the reason why it is permitted, the itbe mishum Pseida. Rashi tells us the problem over here is that there's going to be a financial loss. And that is the reason why the rabbis were lenient. Now, we ask question number one. Preserving, is it a, is it, does it apply that only rabbinic or even Doraita? Well, from Rashi, it seems that the answer is pretty clear. The reason why it is permitted, says Rashi, is because of a financial loss. Now, we know regarding other halachot, that where are we permitted to do something for the because, because in order not to uh, in order not to incur a financial loss that is only regarding rabbinic prohibitions rabbinic halachot where the rabbis instituted and the rabbis can say okay but if people are going to lose money in this case we didn't institute this law for that however if it's a Torah violation. We don't apply the principle of loss. You don't generally find the principle of loss regarding Isurei Doraita. Okay? So that's a, a, an important Rashi. Not only is he helping us answer the second question, is what's the reason behind preserving it? And he says it's in order for us not to incur financial loss. But it also answers question number one. Well, if it's based on loss, it's probably only referring to rabbinic prohibitions and not the four major malachot that we mentioned beforehand. However, the Ritva explains it differently. The Ritva says, why is it that I'm allowed to do certain malachot which maintain my garden as opposed to enhance the garden? Perush. no Right? They're only there to maintain the garden. The Ritva says something completely different. He says, the whole reason why I'm putting the manure on this crack of the thing is basically so that the, the tree doesn't, the, the, the malacha, you know, the tree doesn't get damaged and it's not defined as avoda. Meaning, according to the Ritva, it's not a question of loss or loss. By, uh, the, the, the rabbis are lenient because of uh, we, we, they don't want us to incur financial loss. It's not a death defined as malacha. Now, hold on a second. If it's not defined as malacha, meaning there's certain things that if it's not there to enhance the growth of the, if I'm not doing it to enhance the growth of the, of the, the, the garden, it's not defined as malacha regarding Hilchot Shemitah. 
and I, and I emphasize that, it's not regarding Hilchot Shemitah, because even the Ritva will agree that it is going to be defined as Melacha regarding Hilchot Shabbos. Okay, so let's not get confused regarding that, regarding Hilchot Shabbos. But this opens a, 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 a petach in terms of, according to the Ritva, I'm now not uh, um, cornered in to the question of, well, what kind of financial loss Am I going to incur financial loss? What is the definition of financial loss? Does it have to be a big financial loss or a small financial loss? According to the Ritva, none of those questions will apply because it's got nothing to do with loss. It's really got to do with whether I define this as a malacha for Hilchot Shemitah to begin with or not. What is the Chazonish hold? nire, the ukme ilana deshare. Right? The Chazonish over here is referring to what I mentioned uh, regarding this. Don't get confused regarding the laws of Shemitah and the laws of Yilchot Shabbos. That's the Chazonish says, The essence of the prohibition, at least for Yilchot Shemitah, is enhancing the growth. Aval Shabbat, regarding Yilchot Shabbos, there the Torah is focusing on that a person shouldn't be involved in his melacha. Clearly, even just preserving one's garden would be a Torah violation on in Hilchot Shabbos and there's no, you can't compare the two. So the, the Chazanish is just clarifying that for us. Now, one of the nafgaminot between Rashi and the Ritva would be as follows. Let's say it is a month before, um, it is a month before Shemitah. And I can have my garden serviced in maintaining it. Um, or I could wait till the first week of Shemitah and then do it. Should I try and, and, and you know, however I can try and get my garden serviced or service my garden or whatever I do before the Shemitah year begins or not. If I understand that really there is a prohibition, but the rabbis were lenient because of incurring financial loss, that means that wherever I can try and minimize the prohibition, I should try and minimize it. And therefore, if I can service the garden before Shemitah begins, that is preferable, according to how Rashi understands the sukya. According to the Ritva, not necessarily so. Meaning the heter isn't based on a financial loss, but it's not included in the prohibition to begin with. If it's not included in the prohibition to begin with, there's no problem for me servicing and maintaining my garden on the Shemitah, you know, two days after Rosh Hashanah, it's not a problem. So that is one of the uh, ramifications between Rashi's understanding of the sugya and the Ritva's understanding of the sugya. Interestingly enough, the Chasonish actually um, sides with the Ritva in principle, but in practice, the Chasonish holds <laughs> like Rashi. I mean, in practice, the, the Chasonish says one has to be machmi like Rashi. Another ramification for, for those of us living in Eretz Israel. We now, we've long passed the beginning of the Shemitah year, but we're nearly close to the end of the Shemitah year. 
Oh no, no, yep, we're quite close to the end. It's three more months or so. And um, the question is, now I've got, uh, I can service my garden a week before Rosh Hashanah or a week after Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, according to Rashi, wait a week and, and delay all of this maintaining actions that you're going to do until after Rosh Hashanah. That's definitely preferable. However, according to the Ritva, you might not have to delay. So that's another uh, machloket. Now, um, the Rambam says, let's just read the Rambam over here. Why do the rabbis permit all of these melachot? Right? If he doesn't water the land, the land will become arid, it will become parched, salty, literally. The mut kol sheba, and the trees will die. And since all of these melachot that we're talking about are only rabbinical, lo gazru al elu. The Rambam says explicitly, since to begin with, this is only rabbinical prohibitions. So the rabbis didn't prohibit regarding this these melachot. Because as the Rambam says, we only have two things that are the Avot and the Toladot that are prohibited from the Torah. Everything else is permitted from the Torah. Okay, so that is a, a, a summary that we can see it over here, just the, the chart. We see that the Moed Katan tells us that if you're just trying to maintain your... your um, Garden, it's okay. There are those melachot. And as we've seen, it seems to be only we're talking about what is permitted to maintain or only rabbinic melachot. And the question is, why is that? According to Rashi, it's in order that you don't um, incur a financial loss. According to the Ritva, it's uh, because you it's not defined as melacha. Okay, we saw that the Chazonish was machmir like Rashi uh, in principle, even though... Sorry, Harold, what did you say? I said the volume disappeared, so missed the last minute or two you were saying. Hi. Um, okay, so I'll just summarize what I was saying is that according to According to Rashi, which is how the Chazonish Paskins, the, the reason for the leniency to maintain one's garden is based on financial loss. The rabbis didn't want us to incur financial loss, and based on that, they were lenient regarding rabbinic prohibitions. The question then comes into what, how we define financial loss. And here we have the opinion of the Mabit. The Mabit was a, um, a, a big posek in Svat, 
He was a colleague of Rav Yosef Karo. Um, he was actually a bar prukta Rav Yosef Karo uh, regarding many halachot. They were both big poskim in Tzvat. And they actually had a serious machloket regarding one of the issues of Hilchot Shmita to the extent that the Mabit was actually put in Cherem. So, uh, so it's an interesting, interesting thing. Maybe next year we'll, we'll discuss it if we have time. But uh, in the Mabit, in defining financial loss, he says as follows. And this is Shuta Mabit, he says as follows. Regarding watering one's vegetables and the herbs, Sharon is the name of a sea daffodil. That's how it's translated here. Um, we've already learned that a person is allowed to water a field that doesn't get enough water from the rains, both during Cholamoid and during the Shemitah year. And now that these things were taught next to each other, whatever is permitted to do during Cholamoid, it is also permitted to do during the Shemitah year. And the reason why you're allowed to do it during Cholamoid is because there is a certain amount of loss. So to regarding Shemitah. And then he writes a very important line. There is no distinction between a great financial loss, you happen to be own a nursery, right? Or you happen to own a, a, a massive field, or a pseida zuta. It's going to be a very small, insignificant loss. The kol Anything that you're going to lose, any plant that you're going to lose, because you didn't uh, water it. A pot plant, how much is a pot plant? 15 shekels, I don't know how much a pot plant is, but it's not a massive uh, uh, investment that you have to take out a mashkanta uh, for, right? Nevertheless, says the, 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 the Mabit, any loss because you didn't water it is considered apseida, and therefore it is going to be permitted. Okay, now, Based on that, one could say as follows. Okay, so we said any type of loss is, 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 uh, allows us basically to water our gardens, etc. Now comes another uh, more specific question. What happens if the actual, let's, let's say trees, for example, or, or bushes, and they have fruit on them? A tree has fruit on them. Now, if you don't water the, the tree, the tree is going to survive. No doubt the tree is going to survive. What's going to be affected? The fruit are going to be affected. Meaning the, this, the year of Schmitter, the fruit are not going to grow. or They're going to grow in a very, very partial manner and they're going to be affected. So the question is, is that considered a pseida, a loss that I'm allowed to water for? Now, uh, this is a machloket between Rav Kook and the Chazonish. Everyone thinks that the Rav Kook was a big makel and the Chazonish was a big machmer. In regarding Hilchot Shemitah, there are many, many things that Rav Kook was a lot more machmer than the, than the Chazonish. And this is a classic example. 
says the Chazoni, it says Rav Kook, that since the fruits by definition are really Hefka, they don't belong to me. So when you talk about a loss, well, it's not my loss because the fruit don't belong to me. So there's no financial loss. If there's no financial loss and, the, and I'm not going to water, the only thing that's going to be affected are the fruit, but not the tree. You're not allowed to water the tree. So says Rav Cook, in the event that the tree will not be affected, but only this year's fruit are going to be affected, that is not considered a pseida, a financial loss, and you're not allowed to water the tree or do any of the other malachot in order to maintain the fruit. However, Rav, Rav, the Chazonish argues, let, let's read, uh, let's read the, the Rav Kook in his Mishpat Kohen Siman Aintet. Regarding for the sake of the fruit, there's no leniency even just to maintain them. Why? Since the Torah made my, the, my, I've got a fruit tree, I've got an orange tree, the fruit are hefker. What logic is to say that I'm allowed to do malacha and water my orange tree so that there won't be a loss? Whose loss is it? And how much more so, according to the logic of the Rambam, who stated, The Rambam gives a different answer. He says that the problem is, is that the land is going to become parched. The land is going to become salty and, 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 and ruined. The amut kol and the fruit and the trees are going to die. Vadai, no Clearly, if over here, everyone that you know, you get in all the gardeners and they tell you the tree is going to be okay, the fruit or not, what's the heter? We're not in charge of the fruit, and therefore there's no leniency to, for example, water that tree in that scenario. So the Rav Kuk over there is Mahmoud. Comes along the Chazonish in his Sefer Shvit Kaf Aleph, Siman Yudalad, he says. And he says, No. It's referring to what the Rambam wrote that the land will become parched. It doesn't mean that the, the tree will become uh, uh, barren forever. Even if the crop of this year's fruit will die, and it won't become ripe. How do I know that? Because the Yov describes a pasuk in Yaskin Barish Shosho of the Afar Yamut and he explains Mashekatavta Searetz Melecha who tam le Mashes Yem Yamut Kol Eitz. Aval Ein can have said Aret Lashana Ba. So he's referring to over here that the death, a tree that doesn't give fruit that year is called a dead tree. But not that it's going to die. The actual tree is going to die. Even if it doesn't give fruit for that year, it's a deficiency in the tree. And since, uh, and therefore, one is permitted basically to water the, the, uh, that tree. So that's a machloket. Rav Kuk is machmir. And the chazonish is mayor.
let's see what Mishpatei Eretz says regarding this din. Uh, the Mishpatei Eretz says, Muter la'asot melachot rabanan gam k'dei limnoa mitatam shal tzemach noi. Even for a, let's call it a rose bush. Rose bush, there's no fruit, there's nothing there. It's just decorative. You still, if it's going to ruin it, you're allowed to, you're allowed to do melachot rabanan. And we saw like watering the is uh, rabbinic and therefore would be permitted to water your rose bush. Even if it's just going, even if it's not going to die, but it's just not going to look nice, it's still permitted. Meaning, if you planted it in order for it to look beautiful and it's not going to look, uh, it's going to look a bit withered, that would still be permitted to water the bush. Baram, however, However, says if it's just going to look slightly withered for the year of Shemitah, and you can basically fix it without taking a, a massive investment in it, says that's not considered a hefset. But some say, some say that this is also considered a, a damage. If it's, if it's you know, recognizable to the eye, then it is permitted. He concludes, meaning even temporary withering of a decorative plant is, a, is, is considered a hefzed and one can uh, water it in order to maintain it. One who wants to be machmir um, uh, can be a alayim bracha. The Chazonif says, what happens if it's a sapek? Meaning you're not sure. The Safek Shiovad Havikadavar Habud Vadai. The Chazonish is further lenient. He says, even if it's just a doubt whether it's going to be damaged, since there's a possibility of incurring financial loss for Am Israel, so that allows us to, even though it's only a doubt, we are permitted to do the malacha. I'm just going to plug in my computer. It's about to die. Sorry. Okay. And here's uh Now, let's go into uh, the Akhrabi. And regarding watering, 
in a place where you're going to uh, have a, a financial loss, either the tree will die or the fruit will die. Now, he uses the word kol perot, all of the fruit. Right? In these cases, you get one can be lenient. But one has to really work out how to, um, you know, regarding, you have to really be a botanist to kind of figure out what you're allowed to do and what you're not, according to the Chazonish. Because if it's just improving, then it's going to be prohibited. And if you can water it once instead of watering it twice, then you're not allowed to water it twice. Interesting. We um, we actually hired a, 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 a gardener, Dafka in Schmitter, because uh, because of this reason. I, I don't know how. I don't know what needs uh, different uh, trees in my in my garden. What needs more watering? What needs less watering? In fact, my gardener came and he said that there were two trees next to each other. Both of them had a fungus. He said, this fungus, I'm allowed to treat. And this fungus on the second tree, he's not allowed to treat. Now go, go figure, I'm not a, how would I know uh, the difference between this fungus and that fungus? But, but he, he knows what he does. He's, uh, uh, um, he's, he's learned the sugyot uh, very well for Hilchot Schmidt. And, and, and he knows, and he knows the botany and whatever it is. So this is based on the Chazonish. The Chazonish says the person needs to figure out what, what, what is needed for each plot. The Mishpatei Eretz takes a, a, a more, or let's say Rav Nisim Karelitz uh, uh, Paskins, and he actually says that uh, the Chazonish was more lenient uh, regarding, uh, regarding watering, even though from the wording of the Chazonish it didn't seem to be so. But Mishpatei Eretz says as follows. Smachim uh, if you don't water them, they're going to incur damage. Right? You can water them be just be before they need to be watered. He says, listen, it's not, per, it's not set. And the change according to the different plants. And whether it's summer or winter. However, if you have plants that you know nothing will really happen to them if you don't water them for long periods of time, you cannot water them. And then he says, Rav Yashiv and Rav Karelitz says that a tzemach, a plant that you know is going to be damaged. Without watering, you're allowed to water it. You don't have to start calculating exactly, you know, top, I've got like another one day before the damage actually starts sinking in. No, you don't have to do such a, an exact calculation. As long as this is something that needs watering, big adult, you know, within a, a, a you can you can assume that okay, this is something that uh, that I'm allowed to do now. Rav Rav Rimon in his sefer quotes other opinions that were a lot more makel. He basically brings the following two things that a lot of watering today is done through sprinklers, 
and therefore that is uh, that's one reason to be makeable. Meaning it might be uh, it might be not considered direct, but it's indirect. It goes on automatically. And number two, it might, they usually also are done with a timer, especially if the timer is set. Ereb Shmita. So before the the prohibitions of Shmita kick in, you put the timer on. So according to Rav Riman, there's a lot more reason to be makeable. And you don't have to worry about, you know, watering different plants, etc., because uh, because of those two things. It was on a timer before um, before Schmidt and it comes on. It's not like you're physically watering. It's a sprinkler system that goes on uh, automatically, and that gets into the sugyot of Hilchot Grammar, etc. So those are lenient. Down by um, one who uh, the, 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 the sprinklers is basically say that, that if you put it on a timer before Schmitta, you can water your grass. Uh, at normal intervals, you don't need to worry. Because I'm not about and uh, um, okay. Let's uh, let's just complete it with the the, the wording of Rab Rimon regarding this deal. Lemaise, practically, one should further or, or one should elongate the periods uh, between watering during the Schmitter year. So if you water every, whatever it is, every week, you do it every two weeks or whatever. And wait until the, 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 your garden needs water. Ah, it's manashkayatsma. The amount of water that you, you know, let's say you usually put your sprinkler system for half an hour. Once it's on, you can leave it for 45 minutes. It's not a problem. Says Rav Rimon, you can extend the amount of time that the watering is taking place. This is also the opinion quoted in Shmirat Shabbat Kihil Okay. Um, I think we're going to we'll we'll summary we'll, we'll end up with that um, and next week we'll start off next week we'll do one more um, uh, share regarding Schmitter before going on to starting volume twelve okay so we'll end off for there for today yeah to everyone thank you for listening thank you very much is volume twelve printed now. It's at the printers. I'm hoping that uh, we'll get it hopefully this week or next week. Okay, lovely. Okay. Be well. Be well, Izzy. Bye. Bye.